You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author, filmmaker, and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bray Grant, actress, filmmaker, and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about our rules for buying books and interviewing Matilda Sabal from the Blue Stockings Bookstore in New York City. But first, what are you reading, Bria? Um, I'm reading, I've gone back to some graphic novels I've been wanting to get to nice. that have been sitting on my shelf for so long. Um, and I am reading The Trade for the Afterlife with Archie. Ooh, um, I love that one. Yeah, it's like a zombie outbreak in the Archie universe. It's so fun. Uh, it's and the written, art is amazing. Yeah, it's written by Roberto Aguirre Sacasa. And the art is by Francesco Francavilla. Maybe Francavilla. Probably Francavilla. Um... It's great. I will. No one warned me. A lot of dog death in this book. I'm sorry, Bria. No if one warned no, me. If I had known you were going to read it, more than one dog death in said book. Yeah. More than two in, in the photos. In yeah. the photos, they're not photos. <laughs> Those are not. It's not the real. The photos Bria. of the zombie it's, outbreak in the Archie real, universe. I hate some, to burst your bubble. It's a documentary about the zombie outbreak. <laughs> um, uh, it is. It's great. It's um. I haven't read that much in the Archie universe. Period. So this was given to me as a gift um, maybe about a year ago, and I was very excited to read it. And I just am now getting to it because that's how long it takes me to read books that are given to me. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I'm really enjoying it so far. I'm about halfway through, and all, all your favorite characters are there. Jughead, Archie, Veronica, Betty, all these people. And you get to experience the world in, like, the new version of Archie where people are a little bit more self-aware, I guess I would say, yeah. is a really self-aware version of the Archie universe. Yes. You know what, fun fact, I grew up in Riverdale. Go on. So my, the town that I'm from in Massachusetts, um, Haverhill and Bradford, uh, is where the guy who original, who created Archie came from. Wow. So he based Riverdale off of Bradford and like all over the town that I grew up in, it was just like Archie murals and Archie shit everywhere. Is it very like, I think of the of Riverdale as being like very like, um, any town America. Yes. You know, like it's Bradford like there's a diner. Sure. There's a high school. I guess yeah. that's not crazy. But like, yeah, know. it's definitely like every town USA. Yeah. Is yeah, there an sure. actual like the diner? What is it called? Pops or something? Uh, In Bradford? No, but there are diners like that around. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's very cool. It's cool. If you if you like, I mean, it's just a great zombie comic. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm liking it. So, well, the reason why I'm bringing that up is because so to speak, out of spite, I never read any Archie comics because oh. I was a grumpy teenager. And yeah. I was like, I'm from, I'm from, I'm from Riverdale, but I'm not going to read this because everyone reads it because that's where we live. And so, uh, but I ended up reading Afterlife with Archie because it's a horror thing. And if you wanted me to do anything in the world, you make it scary. So I finally read it and I fucking loved it. It's great. And then I read The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Yeah, I've read that one too. Also, also that one's great. great. It's great. Yeah, this was given to me. They were given to me as gifts. Uh, the two of those together, which was a really good gift if you're looking for a gift for anybody. Extremely good gift. Or what are you reading? So I'm listening to the audiobook uh, that is very, very scary, but it is true. It's a true crime audiobook called The Killer Across the Table, Unlocking the Secrets of Serial Killers and Predators with F the FBI's original Mindhunter. So this is the follow-up book to Mindhunter. Oh, cool. That book that the... Um, it's a true crime book that that TV show was based on on Netflix. Um, and it's basically about the history of how profile like the guy who invented fbi profiling and it's so it's by uh john douglas and mark olshaker and it is uh the audiobook is read by jonathan groff who my people might know is the king from hamilton uh oh. very good very good narrator uh but it's really cool it's just sort of going into his light like how he uh so it's basically it's it's an 
it's a follow-up to Mindhunter. So it's like after what, what his career was after he got out of the FBI. And like, so it goes, the, the book follows four different killers that he goes like, goes and talks to. So it's like a history of what they did um, from the victim's perspective. Um, it's real, like, it's very respectful and it's more focused on like, you know, these people's lives. And then it goes into like how he talked to them and how he, like with the questions that he asked and like. He being the, the profiler. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's fantastic. I definitely Is recommend it. Is it scary? I mean, it's if you it's you're afraid that if someone's going to come and stab you in the face, of course yeah. it's scary. Don't listen to it while you're home alone. I'm like, what's funny is my roommate, which people. So now that I live with a roommate, listeners going to be are going to be hearing about Kate all the time because she's extremely normal. Um, so I'm like always afraid that she's going to come over, come home, and listen to me like, and the girl was thrown into the bushes. Like, I'm like ah, <laughs> Kate, don't leave me. <laughs> and uh, because we were recording two episodes at once, uh, Sean, it's not reading anything new from the half an hour ago when he told us about tacky goblin what is it okay uh so sorry no no sean updates so that is i'm reading uh the killer across the table audiobook by john douglas and mark olshaker which is uh, narrated by jonathan groff and i'm reading afterlife with archie by roberto aguirre sacasa and the art is by francesco francavia so we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback this is from one of our loyal Sarahs. They, she wrote that, not us, but we do love our Sarahs. Uh, I wrote you a while back about sending books to soldiers overseas. I've learned of learned of another program, the Braille and Talking Book Program. All honorably discharged veterans who are blind, have bad vision, or a disability that prevents traditional reading are eligible to have a have Braille books sent via mail or can download f- free audiobooks from the Bard mobile app. BARD stands for Braille and Audio Reading Download. The, mm. This program will also provide veterans with devices such as ebooks and reading tablets. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to all that. I think we talked about that a little bit on, uh, I forget which episode, but it's a good reminder. This is a great program. Yeah, it, and um, and it's a good thing to um, volunteer for if you have a great speaking voice yeah. and you want to do we that. We talked about it when we interviewed someone from the National Library Service. Ah, uh, yeah, and so if you're looking, it's something I know actors that I know do, but if you like... You have to do some training and stuff, but you can go and read these books for these kind of programs. I mean, it's, and it's, as a volunteer service, which is yes. nice. Because we, I think what, where we got into this was we had a listener who wrote in to uh, talk about his issue of the fact that sometimes not every book goes out to audio audiobook as soon, like, as soon as it comes out. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem for people who uh, are have vision problems or, or can't see and want to, you know, read a new release or something. Mm-hmm. So this is a great program to get involved with if you uh, if you are want like to read aloud. And we'll put links in the show notes to everything. Oh, great. Ariel wrote in to tell us about her book club. I wanted to tell you about my fantastic book club. It's called The Book Was Better. Great title. Uh, we read books that have been turned into movies, usually fantasy and sci-fi, but we're trying to branch out. We're doing The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo this month. Watch the movie and then compare them. We, we read a book a month and meet twice about each book. In the first meeting, we read the book and have a pretty typical book club discussion about it. We focus our discussion on a lot of things like character and plot points we like and dislike and steal other discussion questions from the internet. Good job. Uh, then we watch the movie. We meet at a bar in town called Dungeons and Drafts. Amazing. And the bar will show the movie for us in our off week. Then in our second meeting, we discuss the movie. This is a lot. This is a high, high, high amount of meeting book club. Yeah. Then in our second meeting, we discuss the movie and compare them. This lets us have all sorts of great questions like, did this scene look like you expected? Or did they do a great job casting? Or And we read movie reviews as and and ask whether or not we agree. 
Our last question is always, was the book better than the movie? Surprisingly, sometimes we like the movie better, and sometimes they tie, but usually we live up, live up to our name. Extremely cool book club, and Ariel's wheelhouse is strict magic rules, oh. fantasy heists, reimagined fairy tales, myths, and folklore, and apocalypse dystopian books where the apocalypse was a disease or a plague. Yeah, into that too. And so you can always email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. If you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month, sign up for our newsletter. Link in the show notes. And then in between, so you get that once a month. And then two weeks later, once a month, you get uh, our book and cocktail pairing recommendations newsletter. Yeah. So you get two newsletters if you sign up. So before we talk about buying books, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is sponsored in part by The Great Courses. We all deserve to be able to further our knowledge, and that's what The Great Courses Plus is all about. And The Great Courses Plus app makes it possible to watch or listen to lectures at any time. We recommend checking out the course Great Utopian and Dystopian Works of Literature. As you can imagine... We're fans of this course. It's a really cool course. It compares extreme alternate realities and classics like Brave New World to blockbusters like The Hunger Games. Yeah, and it digs into the darkness at the center of perfect societies, the hope behind terror, and so much more. So you can unlock a world of knowledge with The Great Courses Plus. And right now, they're giving our listeners a special limited time offer, a free month of unlimited access to their entire library. Think how smart you could get in just one month. That is crazy. So start your free month today through our special URL. Go use it. They know you're coming through us. That's important. So go to thegreatcoursesplus.com slash glasses. That's thegreatcoursesplus.com slash glasses. 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 Hello, Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And together we present Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. We explain the historical significance of everyday etiquette topics, then answer your questions relating to modern life. So join us weekly on MaximumFun.org or wherever podcasts are found. No RSVP required. Check out Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it? This week, we're talking about a big reader dilemma. When do you buy a book? Do you buy it in hardcover when it first comes out? Do you wait for the paperback? Do you get it on sale on Kindle? Do you get it from the library? Do you ask Santa Claus? In the morning, in the noon, in the night. (laughs) (laughs) When you have books on a bagel, you can have books anytime. (laughs) That's for all the... I liked it. Late 90s kids out there. Uh, So when to buy a book or not is a problem we get a lot of listener emails about. So we're doing a whole episode on it. So first, a little history about buying books. Couldn't always buy books. This is a privilege of modern times because it was too expensive and books were written by hand. So, like, not many people could buy a book. That's crazy. But Can you even, imagine, like, writing a book and that's that's the book? Like, that, this is literally the only I book. I wrote a book. It's just one. one. Here it is. One book. And if you want to write another one, you got to write the whole thing again. Ugh. I can't, I can't even, like, reread... Oh, God, that would make me feel crazy. Anyway, um, (laughs) even as far back, though, as folks like Aristotle and Plato actually had libraries. Like, there are people who had personal libraries. and um, So that's how it was like the the ancient Greek version of having a fucking Porsche. Yeah, basically. (laughs) Bitch, I got a lot. I have two books. Libraries. I got four to five books, depending (laughs) on the day. Um, Public libraries were really the way to go for a very long time. To be fair. 
There's still the way to go. Can, yeah, kind of still the way to go. Yeah. Well, um, I am always. We'll get man, into it. Man, I was just on a movie set and I always preach the gospel of the public library because people yeah. are like, what are you reading? And I'm like, I'm reading like four books. I have a public library card. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? Um, anyway, once um, printing press modernized, the printing press modernized book printing, um, book selling, as we know, it caught, got off the ground pretty quickly. And by the 19th century, the way we think of books being printed and sold emerged. Um, the most popular choices to begin with, though, were, were definitely almanacs and religious books. I want to know what the weather's yeah, going to be. Yeah, you got to see, see what. When do I plant my peas? I got to know. <laughs> I can't know otherwise. <laughs> Can you imagine lining up at the bookstore like all the pea planters? They're like, oh yeah, we're gonna. This is like a I hot you new were release. Say plebeians, and that was. I was like, <laughs> that's such a weird. No. <laughs> the, the you think it was like planters. a big? They ha- would have like an almanac release party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, ah, oh, guys, it's the big this day. Year, we're all gonna plant sunflowers. Um. <laughs> But at the time, and we've gone over this on the show, publishers and sellers were the same thing for the long time. Like if you uh, published the book, if you wrote it out by hand or printed it, you also sold the book. Um, Another interesting tidbit, historical tidbit, just about bookstores in general, um, is that for a very long period of time in America, most um, were... Most bookstores were historically owned by white owners. Wow, I'm so but, surprised. I know. Isn't it? But there's actually a really great and interesting history about African-American booksellers starting back as far back as 1830. Wow, we should um, do a whole episode on that. Yeah, it's really fascinating. Like, uh, <laughs> I read about it on Wikipedia when doing this research, but it was just like an what? interesting— All right, let's bookmark that. Let's yeah, do yeah. a whole episode on booksellers. Yeah, cool. So, Bria, you recently bought an ebook for our Pride Month And episode. I rarely buy a book. Yes, yeah, so what are, your, what are your rules for buying ebooks? I have— Few rules because I buy them. Anarchist Bria over here. (laughs) I buy them so rarely. But I will tell you my rules. First, one, if I want the book and there's too long wait wait at the library, I will buy it. Like, if it is, I mean, it rarely happens because normally I'm like, "Eh, I got a bunch of books I want to read. I can wait eight weeks. Like, I will wait a long ass time for a book. Like, I am a patient woman. (laughs) Bria, I'm going to wait them out. (laughs) I will wait them out. And once it comes, I will be reading that book. Um, I'll wait a really long time. Um, But. If it's something timely, I like that I started with one and I don't know when I'm going to get back to the list. Um, (laughs) So uh, if I really want it. Two, if it's timely, something I want to read for a project, um, like if I'm doing some research on something, I buy those books quite a bit. Um, Or Reading Glasses Book Club, I buy those. I generally buy those books just so I have them to make sure. Or my book, Personal Book Club, um, I will buy that unless it's available from the library right that second. But yeah. that so rarely happens because a lot of times I'm like, oh, I'm going to do a movie or something about this thing and I want to read Carrie or something. And it's like, yeah. oh, it's just not available at the library. So I just like, I, I will go ahead and purchase that book. Um, three, if I want to support an author, I like if I like their last three books, I will try to buy it the latest is if I'm not feeling super broke then like yeah. I, will, I will be like okay I have enough money I feel like I can spend the it's Kindle so it's like yeah. I spent ten dollars and I bought the book you know it's like yeah. not that crazy so that is a that is the thing I will do um and then they get like you know a quarter of a cent or whatever and like, however, however little it adds up get. man totally and as a person who spent many years of her life living off of residuals from things that I've done in the past of like people who are like, oh, I bought your movie on iTunes for $2. And I was like, that shit fucking adds up. That shit pays my bills. Like that's the stuff that like I can expect to see. Um, And then the last thing is um, if I didn't finish it from the library and it's too long of a wait to get it again, and I forget, and I turn on my Wi-Fi, and the book deletes from my book. Sucked. I just imagine like one of those like a scene from a horror movie where the book is sucked away, and you're like, no. and then, oh, I was just like halfway through the book. I will buy it. That's a buy. 
So like that's a good system, I think. Yeah, the Pride book, the book I bought for Pride, which I was like, you know, I I want to support. I sh- I should read an, a book. We were going to talk about books from by LGBTQ authors, and I was like, this is a good reason for me to purchase a book. I don't love purchasing that many books because a lot of books I'll quit reading. I'm very yeah. like weird about what I'll keep reading. And I'm usually very glad I got certain books from the library because I'm like, oh, I'm not really that into this book and I don't want to own it. Yeah. But um, that's one of my Kindle book purchase rules. Yes. They were complicated. I, I feel like all readers have com- like very complicated, intricate systems. And also sometimes just like a whim where I'm like, I want it. Yeah. And then, it's, then there it is. Yeah, and Kindle's the, so easy. The problem that's the problem with Kindle. It's a little too easy. It's like the book version of the candy bars that are next to the cash register. Totally. Where you're just like, ah, I just need some candy. And they already and it's like that version, but also the cash register guy already has your credit card, and he's like, you can just take it, and then you just get yeah. to walk out with a handful of candy bars. Yep. Because like I, I was gonna say one, but if you're Bria, I guess yeah, it's you a walk handful out with a handful because you're like, he said I could have them because <laughs> he already has my credit card, and I don't know how much it costs, and it doesn't matter. What's money when it's on the internet? <laughs> <laughs> For real, it's very scary thing and you have to be careful about that kind of stuff so that's why I think I have an intricate system of rules yeah um what about you when do you choose to buy a book well I also have a pretty intricate Intricate, system system. well actually also especially since my system is in the 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 process of being changed a little bit so uh because I've actually I've been trying to get more books from the library recently uh I just went through another move and how far you're pretty close to a library uh yeah I can walk to a library that I won't say on the podcast because I don't want people to come to my house. So I just went through another move and I was like, every time I move, I'm like, why? Because I find myself with all these books where I'm like, I bought this, but I didn't, like, if I buy a hardcover, you know, it's like $30. And if I'm feeling like, oh, this is like a B book, like, why did I, I spent all this money on it. And like, when every year I do my taxes, I spend so much money on new hardcovers Mm. that I was like, okay, you know what? Now that I can walk to this library and this new place that I'm living in this great neighborhood, I'm going to start getting more books from the library. And so. you get them shipped there. So it's like yeah, such a exactly. great system. Oh, so because I've been doing it for years for research books and I'm working on Girly Drinks, my new book. And I was like, I'll just throw in some fiction and see mm-hmm. how it goes. So like, phys- and that's what I mean, physical fictional books. And like, um, so I'm trying not to spend as much money on them. So now I, I try to buy a book or pre-order it if I really want to support the author, um, especially if it's a debut author that like someone whose short stories I like or I like on the internet um, or it's an author that isn't super well known, um, but I'll pipe. And if I really want to want to own the book, and I th- I'm pretty sure I'm going to like it because I love the author, but they're a very popular author. I'll buy their. I'll wait for it in paperback. Mm. Like I really, really want to read the new uh, Elizabeth Gilbert novel, oh, yeah, The too. City of Girls. Yeah. But there's a super long wait at the library. And how but, long is the like? Because I, I wait for digital books. I wonder if it's a similar. It's a similar wait. So it's like ends up being like eight months, eight weeks, more than that. Sometimes months. Yeah. Oh, so maybe it's longer for physical books than it is for. It's rare for me when it's more than eight weeks. Rare. I, I, I do audiobooks, and sometimes I have to wait 12 weeks, 16 weeks. I'm going to look right now um, at Elizabeth Gilbert. But So I think I'm going to wait till the paperback book comes out, and then I'll buy it during the paperback release week. So I always try to pay attention. I try to be really cognizant. I try to pay attention to make sure that I'm buying books that are by a diverse group of authors. So if I'm, you know, now that I'm being more precious about my hardcover buying money, I'm like, okay, make sure that I'm not buying books by all dudes or all by straight people or all by white people. So, um if I am going to spend money on on something, I try to be a little more cognizant. Uh, so, Bria, are you susceptible to those Kindle ebook deals? Oh yeah, because yes, yeah. Well, I love a deal. <laughs> I love a deal. <laughs> yeah, I'll get behind a deal. And I used to subscribe to some newsletters that were like, 
that would dangerous, be like, dangerous. oh, I know it'd be like, guess what is on sale for $2? The Book Riot newsletter does that. Yeah, sometimes. there's a lot of them that, there was one specifically that I subscribed to for a while that I was like, this is too tempting for me. I can't, I don't subscribe to many newsletters that advertise me for that reason because I am prone to advertisements. <laughs> What's that song? I just heard that song in my head, The Tempted by the Fruit of Another Song. Tempted by the Fruit of a Deal on Amazon. That song starts playing and Priya's like, ooh. <laughs> oh, and I like float inside the Kindle. Um, but basically, if the author wrote it and they're talking about it on social media or another author is talking about it, I'll be like, interested like like yeah. then i'll be like that's fine and then you have it on there for later or whatever because it, it is like kind of hard to turn down a two dollar deal you know yeah. it just seems like but yeah i don't i do do it but not that often i would say like probably last year twice like i bought a book for super cheap that's which is not that often that's not bad um i don't subscribe to kindle unlimited but i was just talking to someone about it on um the last job i was doing and that's a big you know it's a big deal not a big deal but like a big cut in it's supposed to be a deal you know yeah. like you're supposed to be like oh you get all these books for, for free for like this uh whatever like very low price or something um and i was talking to someone and they were like i love it because when i travel i just like pile the books on like i just fill it up my whole thing up and i'm like well but i do that with library books but um but that's what she was saying so that was like tempting where i was like interesting like maybe i should just go look and see if there's enough on that because that would be like a way for me to bundle a deal but I'm so fussy about what I want to be reading. Yeah. That I'm scared it wouldn't have enough. Yeah. Uh, what What about you? Do you do you like a sale? Oh, I'm one motherfucking sucker for a sale. Not normally on Amazon because you know I mostly do physical books. Mm-hmm. It's like, but sometimes am like books get heavily discounted. Um, yeah. Like physical books, like my book, Lady from the Black Lagoon, was discount. It was like ten dollars off for like two months or something. That was crazy. great. Yeah. Uh, but. So I don't, but I don't normally pay attention to Amazon. I don't buy a ton of books on on Amazon that way. Um, but if I have a coupon for a bookstore or there's like a mm. two for one sale, oh boy! Because like once I get into the bookstore, I'm already like in that mindset. You know when you're like. I'm going to go shopping mm-hmm. and you're in that mindset and you're like, well, I only came in for a shirt, but look at these pants. Like I am like that with books where I'm like, I'm already in the bookstore. Like, so, and I still do use bookstores sometimes. Usually once or twice a year, I'll hit up one of my favorite used bookstores like the Iliad and Burbank or Bart's Books in Ojai and just spend a bunch of money and get a ton of books. And the books I buy for cheap or like the ones that are on super sale uh, are typically books that are like way far back in the mm-hmm. backlist, like books that came out in the eighties or nineties that I've always wanted to read or never got around to them or like buzzy literary fiction books from 30 years ago or like weird old horror books I've never heard of uh stuff like that um again because those you know when you buy a book at a used bookstore the author isn't get anything getting anything so I'm like uh if I have the if a book is like came out within the last like five years or so I'll try to either get it from the library or uh, or buy it um but if there's a sale at a used bookstore I'll just go crazy on some older books yeah book milfs it is also because there is that thing of like I love a used clothing store, and so like Same. I do love looking through piles of things. Bria, we should you know how we do clothes swap sometimes? We yeah. should do a book swap sometime. Oh, we should do that. We used to do them at the bookstore, the anarchist bookstore that I volunteered at at um, in Austin. We would do book swap days. We do comic swap days. That's what it was. <gasps> People would bring their comics. I would love. It was that. cool because it worked out really well because you could like you just met up with them. I mean, I didn't know half the people there, and like we, you would just get to like trade out comics. It was pretty fun. I want to do that. Yeah. So you can send your thoughts and rules of buying books to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And before we talk to Matilda Sabal from Blue Stockings in New York City, we're going to take a quick break. Hi, I am Lori Kilmartin. And I'm Jackie Cashin. Together, we host a podcast called... The Jackie and Lori Show. Uh, We're both stand-up comics. 
We recently met each other because women weren't allowed to work together on the road or in gigs for a long, long time. And so our friendship has been unfolding on this podcast for a couple of years. Jackie constantly works the road. I write for Conan and then I work the road in between. We do a lot of stand-up comedy and so we celebrate stand-up and yes. we also bitch about it. We keep it to an hour. We don't have any guests. We somehow find enough to talk about every single week. So find us. You can subscribe to The Jackie and Lori Show at MaximumFun.com org or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, bye. So here we are with Matilda Sabal, uh, a collective member of the Blue Stockings Bookstore in New York City. Matilda, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Uh, what are you reading right now? Ooh, okay. So I'm reading two things. One is Care Work by poet and activist Leah Lakshmi. It's a, an essay collection on disability justice. And the other is Nine Fox Gambit by Yoon Ha Lee, which is really some crazy science fiction that combines like this brutal military government regime with all of this very high fantasy poetry and mathematical philosophical like constraints. Um, so it's great. And both are very stressful. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awesome. So Blue, Blue Stockings is a very amazing special bookstore in New York City. Can you tell us a little bit about your work there? Absolutely. Um, so Blue Stockings uh, was formed 20 years ago this year, actually. Um, and it is one of the last feminist bookstores left in the United States. Um, I think there's only 13 last time I or anyone really checked. Um, there used to be way more in the 90s, but it's a dedicated feminist and activist center. Um, so what we do is we are a bookstore by day and a um, kind of performance space and um, community space by later time of day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, Blue Stockings, as I said, was formed in 1999. Um, it's named after the Blue Stockings society which was a mid 18th century um english political movement to get like more um female authors and readers um sort of into literary scenes and um since then it's evolved from being this like really teeny tiny feminist and lesbian scene to um a much bigger and more intersectional um feminist and radical bookstore and i love it so much <laughs> And what is the business structure of Blue Stockings like? Um, okay, so it's also pretty unique. Um, I am one of the collective members who runs the bookstore. So it's a collectively owned and um, run space. And then it's actually all volunteer run. Um, so pretty much you get paid a small stipend if you're working 30 or 40 hours a week. But we all have side gigs because it's really like a passion project for us to keep this like very specific space in New York alive on the Lower East Side. Um, and so um, it's a horizontal um, like business structure, which means that all decisions are made collectively. There's not really like a boss or anyone um, whose job it is to be in charge. It's more like everyone has to work together in order to maintain the space. 
which means that this is the most I've ever talked about my feelings at work for one, but, (laughs) um, but that it really is a space that belongs to the communities that we're trying to serve. Um, Cause it's a really big space. Um, It's a very like queer space. It's a space for um, people who are uh, not really safe in our current political climate. Um, And so um, we're what's called like a safer space, which means that um, everyone who works there has trainings on like de-escalation and um, on like respecting different identities and different people's legal statuses and um, yeah. That's awesome. I used to be a part of the collective at Monkey Wrench Books in Austin, Texas. Yeah. We had a similar, uh, yeah, set up. Fantastic. Um, I think it's a really wonderful way to run, um, especially any kind of community space, because since you don't really get paid, you show up because you care about it and because you believe it's doing something important. Um, And that kind of dedication to something outside of like a capitalist structure brings some really wonderful people into the space. And what sort of events do you folks host at Blue Stockings? Oh, man. So we have events almost every single night. Um, We have author readings and book clubs and support groups and open mics and um, yoga and community organizing. Um, We had an event for... um, Adrian Marie Brown for pleasure activism when it came out. Um, and we actually had like people spilling out onto the street to come see her. It was incredible. Wow. Not all that big. <laughs> <laughs> and so are there, have there been any books that you've been doing a lot of hand selling lately? Um, yes. So autonomous by Annalie Newitz is one of my like go-to books to sell, especially when I get people who come into the store and who are like, I need something new or I need something exciting or I need a break from reading critical theory because it's stressing me out Um, because it's an amazing like post post apocalypse story with robots and um, like prescription drug pirates and gays. And um, I get very excited when people read it. And then I also recommend um, A Quick and Easy Guide to They, Them Pronouns by Archie Bongiovanni and Tristan Jimerson, which is like a really small pocket-sized comic book that explains like they, them pronouns and what they are and how to use them, um, which is great for pretty much anything, leaving conspicuously on coffee tables or mm-hmm. getting <laughs> presents for friends or I've given them to doctors and I've they're also very cheap, so I just hide them places sometimes. But um, <laughs> that's incredible. Lots of people are really happy to see that little book too. So, and it's like mint green. It sells really well. I like that. It's a little bit of like secret book activism. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, tell us a little bit about your reading life. Do you, do you have any reading quirks you want to share with us? Yeah. So, um, like most New Yorkers, I get most of my reading done on the train. Um, And I tend to have actually seven or eight books in rotation since um, I read all my books through Overdrive for the New York Public Library. Shout out. Um, So I'll read as much as I can during like the two weeks that you get to have your library loan. And then when it gets returned, I just pick up another one and I wait for it to come back. Um, (laughs) So I'm actually reading like nine books right now. Um, I'm familiar with this cycle. (laughs) I know it. (laughs) 
yeah but um it's great because then you you have so much to look forward to like that I feel like and Matilda what is your reader wheelhouse oh man so okay I probably have given myself away by now um but I (laughs) um specifically I love found families I love gays in space robots who have feelings um artificial intelligence and how it relates to the concepts of personhood and free will and so, Matilda, where can we find you online and where can listeners find out more information about Blue Stockings? Um, you can find out more about the shop at bluestockings.com or bluestockingsnyc on Instagram and on Twitter. Um, we just started a membership program as part of our celebration of our 20 years in the Lower East Side, um, which you can join. You can get lots of like secret little perks. Um, and then you can find me um, at Fierce Invalids on Instagram which is fierce underscore invalids from the Rimbach home, as I've been called out for. (laughs) Matilda, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Now it's time to look at some book tech, advances in bookish technology. We got a lot of folks writing in to recommend alternate book tracking apps for us. And so we tested a couple out. Uh, So we did two this for this episode. The first one is Airtable. Bria, what did you think of Airtable? So let me, I'll describe it a little bit, yeah. okay? So it's like, um, it's a cute app. Very cute. It tracks so many things. Do you want to track track your balloon trip? You can do that. Yeah, track I saw your blogging? That. Do that. I you, was like, balloon trip? I know. You want to plan the shots for your indie movie? That's also a built-in template. Um, so I played with all three of those that I just named. Did you go on a balloon trip? I went on several balloon trips. It was well-tracked. <laughs> <laughs> There's Bria. I know exactly because where she is. You can go in and you can be like, okay, my balloon trip starts on this day. Are we talking about a hot air balloon? That's what the... This is their example. Is this balloon trip? Are there enough people in the world that are A, taking hot balloon trips? I think it's just their example. But, like, who would put the... Like, why do you need to track... I don't know. There's so many questions. Okay, like, if you're going on a trip across Europe on trains, like, you have, this is the destination, this is why, this is when I leave, here's some photos of what happened, you check it off once you've done it. In a balloon? In a balloon, or a train, or a car, whatever, I don't know, however you try to travel in a box of wheels, I don't care. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, That's what Bria, all, that's what all cars look like to Bria. (laughs) That actually is true, that is what all cars look like to me, it's just a box with wheels, with the person, (laughs) with chocolate stains, with the person just like a, like a little head bobbing around (laughs) in the inside. Um, The problem is, this is a very cute app, and you could use it to track a number of things. The problem with these kind of apps that I feel like is unless you use it all the time, it's a little confusing. Yes. And I would, things like these also, I forget that I have it. I don't think it can give you notifications or anything. Um, It has to be something like you're actively doing. Using it every day or using it a lot. Um, But it, it seemed... It's, and it's very general. So it's like you can do all of these things in it, but it is not built for one of these things. Like, yeah. like for example, I did just direct a movie. So I looked, I was like, let me look at this indie film shot list maker. Like, that's interesting to me. And I was like, oh, it is sort of a shot list maker. It's not like, an, it's like if you were just making a, like ideas for a shot list, I guess would work, but it yeah. wouldn't actually work for a shot list. Um, It feels like a task system that I was like, I don't know. Is this like, if you were like just coming up with tasks, to do and you were kind of working on projects but i i don't know how you use it for books did you understand that so yeah well for how did how many pages that uh, how many pages well, you gave this cute, so i give it a three out of five three out of five yeah so the problem so i did so what i did is i took a, a big like a part of my yearly book list and put them into each of these apps that we tested out and i put uh, like 10 books into Airtable. 
the first 10 books that I read this year. Um, and so this app is really cool if you're more tech savvy or you're really into spreadsheets. Like if you mm. get a boner for an Excel, for Excel yeah. Airtable is going to be your shit. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of ways to customize your, customize your lists, organize them. But for me... Like, I was a little overwhelmed and definitely felt like I needed to teach myself how to use it. Uh, I did love – so, like, what I did is I I, um, I used uh, – I don't remember the name of the template that I used, but I used one of, like, the list like, track your how many shoes you have. Because, mm. like, I, I looked for a template where it was, like, you were ta- tracking a physical thing. Um, and I put on all the books. And for each book entry, uh, I put in the name of the book, the name of the author, the number that I read, the number that it is in my reading list for the year. And then for each entry, you can also put a note in. And so in the note section, I put in my letter grade ranking for each book. And what is cool about it is you can filter the list by your notes or by the title so I could oh, actually go and see oh what are all the books that I gave an A this year oh, that's what fun. are all the books that I gave a B this okay. year and so I thought that that was really cool so I gave it a four out of five pages because I feel like if you learn took the time to learn how to use it it would be amazing but because I'm working so hard to try to find a different way because I like I, this whole year I'm I, I might I think I'm going to come back on Goodreads next year folks don't wow. people are people are clamoring wow. for me to come back on Goodreads. <laughs> there's a there's a riot in the streets it's a lot of people who really want to know what I'm reading I'm very flattered by it um but because I'm trying to find this alternate system I feel like it's so hard for me to over like find one anyways that I didn't want to learn a whole new thing I wanted to mm. I wanted something that was a little more intuitive and I could just fucking use mm. and I didn't see myself especially this late in the year maybe if I started back in January but I'm like I don't want to have to put in like this massive list of books into this but, thing but do you not also feel like it's kind of an Excel spread? Couldn't you just use an Excel spread? That's what I mean. You could also... I guess the, the point of it, though, is it's on your phone, so it's, like, easily accessible. Because uh, Excel spreadsheets on your phone, at least for iPhones, are not... They don't look so great. This is very Tough. cute. It, is it cute. looks nice. It's yeah. very... Uh, I think if you're a tech person or you know you're, you're very good at stuff like this, this would be a great app for you. Yeah. And then we tried an, an app that's, like, on the total other end of the spectrum. This is some, uh, a listener wrote in to tell us about Trello. And so what did you think about Trello, Bria? Um, this felt to me like it would work well for like a group project. That's what it felt like. So, so this is like you could add people, add members, say this person's in charge of this thing. Good for a book club. Oh, it might be good for a book club. Track of what you've read. Track of what we've read and who maybe is in charge of picking the next thing and who's in charge of bringing the dessert to the book club or whatever. Like that, that's kind of interesting. You can add members. I like the interface because it has these little cards. So just to explain what it is, it's like these little cards and like each task has a card. And I guess once you're done with it, you can say like complete it or whatever on the card. Um, How I think it'd be great for to do lists. Yes. Like a cute way to make a to do list for a specific project. Again, like I'll show you. I home. think this is like a um if you this these apps are like the kind of thing that if you like them and you like the interface, I think they're great for like multiple things. But I already have an interface for my to-do list, so it's hard for me to get excited about adding a new interface for a to-do list. So is- oh, cool. I'll look at your thing. Cause I didn't understand how you would add books into it. I made it. a it's card like, and made a list on the card. You made one card. And I, it says read 2019, and then I put in a list of like ten the f- first ten books that I read. By is like number one is Growing Things by Paul Tremblay, which actually just came out a couple weeks ago. Everyone should get it because it's my favorite short story collection of the year. And then number two, and then number three, and then but you can't add any notes to it like you can an Airtable. So it's just the number, the title, and the author. It's just a list. It literally is just a. It's like a fancier version of the notes thing on your phone. You can add a description, but you can't add anything else. I guess. Yeah. Um. So you can't write your like score for it or anything no. like that. You can um, put it in the title, like 
the one thing I did like about this one too is that it does have a due date. So if you're a big library person, you could go in, put your book, and then add the due date to remind you. But I don't think it has a reminder thing. No. Um, if uh, so, so how many pages would you give this? I mean, I thought the interface was pretty cute too. Again, yeah. like I liked the little. It felt like you were doing little like note cards or something, which is kind of interesting. Um, but again, it's like if you, I don't know about for books. So I'd say like three out of five if you're doing it for books. Yeah. So I think of the two, this is the app that I would use. It's much simpler than Airtable. It's literally just lists and mm-hmm. cards. There's no frills. There's nothing fancy. There was no like algorithms or anything you have to figure out. But it was so quick to learn and easy to use, and it's a nice way to keep books on my. Fo- I've read on my phone. I. This I also gave four out of five pages because of that. I do. I almost wish you could just like have these two apps have babies. Mm. Like I wish there was a little bit more to it, but not as much as Airtable has, if that makes sense. Yeah. And for me, I just feel like I would rather have a book, a dedicated app that like knows, I don't know, like one like more centered around books. Maybe. Yes. I like these for tasks. You know, I love a to-do list. Yeah. So like that's not the problem. It's just like for books, it seems like it was kind of like, eh, I don't know. I feel like an app not designed for that. That's yeah, all. I wish there was uh, somebody out there make an app that's for book tracking that isn't as like not social. That's not like super social media y like Goodreads is. Haven't we covered some that are? That are we've covered some. We've book tried, tracking but ones. we haven't liked any of them because mm. they're all like we we've tried one uh, that the one that was more that was online like Goodreads. Yeah, and it was but it was like a social media more thing. Yeah. I want something that's more centered around book tracking. Yeah, world personal. Please. Yes, world, please give us this. Well, Mallory, maybe this is your next project. Yeah, look, I'm, I have so much free time. <laughs> me and you, me and you, Bray, we just don't do anything. <laughs> we need a new. Although, if someone, if an app person wants to hit us up and collaborate on a, the Reading Glasses book tracking app, we could be into that. Yeah. Uh, so, if you want us to test out some book tech, you can always email it to readingglassespodcast at gmail dot com. And uh, if you, we we always put stuff on our Amazon wish list. If you want to buy some book tech for us to to test out, or just buy us a present because you think we're cool, uh, we are always happy to do that. There's a um a link in the show notes for um our Amazon wish list. Uh, and as always, we want to thank Danielle and Kathy who are in our Facebook group, and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember that you can buy reading glasses, tote bags, and shirts, and bookmarks in the Maximum Fun store. There's a link in the show notes. It helps us feed our cats. It'll make you look super cool. It's a great way to uh, start a conversation with a fellow glasser. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It's really great for us. It helps us reach more listeners. It makes us feel really good. It makes us feel good about doing the show. It uh, boosts our uh, morale when mm-hmm. we're very tired. Uh, and you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast. And you can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag readingglassespodcast. Thanks for listening and, and thanks, thanks for reading. reading. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.